0: Welcome to Sister Scriptorians, where we are devoted to learning, likening, and lifting others one principle at a time. Episode 126, Pride in the Church. We left off last week with a devastating battle between the Nephites and the Amilisites. The Amilisites were the first significant group of dissenters who went and stirred up the Lamanites to come up against the Nephites, and there was a great loss on both sides. However, the Lord strengthened the Nephites, and they were able to overtake their enemies. Notice, however, that the Nephites were not spared from grief or from hardship. The loss was great. Loss of both loved ones, but then also their sustenance. Remember how their fields of grain had been trampled down by the Lamanite and Millicite armies. The ramifications of this rebellion was, it was tough and it affected every soul. Think about the numbers for just a minute. We know that in the first battle... 20,000 souls were lost, a combination of both Nephites and Amilocites. And then the next day, so many were lost that they didn't even keep track of the numbers. Those Amilocites who had put a mark upon themselves, they had now been driven back into the wilderness to be scattered and left for the beasts that dwell there. And this, we don't even know the numbers who were driven back. And so imagine the significant loss that occurred to the Nephite civilization. This was a huge hit for their society. Now, God's perfect way of loving and his endless extendings of his mercy can only operate perfectly under these kind of conditions, right? I don't know about you, but I am still working at giving my children consequences, not in anger, but because it's designed to lead them to a better place, to correct error through teaching, through privilege taking away, through removal. But God, he's the master of this. He is perfect at delivering us. And He's also perfect at stepping back and allowing us to suffer in order for our hearts to be led to repentance and to a better place near Him. He allows us to figure out where our hearts have become corrupted, leading us to discover where we kind of rather enjoy, or at least we linger in darkness. And then he gives us an opportunity to purify ourselves and to choose light. And though I prefer to learn lessons from the joys of aha moments, we can't forget that tribulation, they can also be our perfect teacher as well. It appears that this is exactly what the results were. As the people suffered in their afflictions, they knew That their mourning was because of their abominations, and they chose to face up to their errors and to be awakened to a remembrance of their duty. This led the church to establishing itself more fully, and 3,005 souls were baptized. And the seventh year of the reign of the judges comes to an end, and fortunately, the people are able to enjoy peace. But then the eighth year comes... And the people began to wax proud. But this time, it's the people of the church who are growing in pride. Now, we know that the Book of Mormon is packed full of the pride cycle. And we know that we're supposed to be cautious of pride. But Alma chapter 4 gives us a really great breakdown of what we're supposed to be cautious of. It gives us some really good stuff to think about. And just like the pride cycle begins after you've received a humbling and then you are blessed for being humbled and for repenting and you begin to prosper, the people of the church were beginning to experience that prosperity and they were being blessed by God. And they began to grow in riches. They had fine silks and fine twined linen Many flocks and herds, they were proud because of the gold and the silver that they had and all manner of precious things. And Mormon points out to us that they had these things because of their industry. They had worked hard and they had built up much, but their riches had an effect upon the people and they were lifted up in pride, pride of their own eyes. And they began to wear costly apparel. Now, how many of you are catching on to the repetition of that phrase lately, costly apparel? Remember how Mormon made the point to say that Nehor wore very costly apparel and how the humble members of the church didn't. They were neat and comely, but they did not wear costly apparel. Even when the other Nephites were stepping up their game in the costly apparel department, the members of the church were enjoying their prosperity by lifting those in need. So this is the cycle that appears to be the gateway to pride. I think Mormon is trying to show us increased riches, increased flocks, availability of all manner of precious things, and the wearing of costly apparel. And we'll see this over and over again. Alma watched the decisions and the behaviors of the members of the church. And he, along with the other teachers, priests, and elders, they began to grieve over the wickedness that they were seeing in the church. And what was that wickedness? As a result of the members being lifted up in pride and setting their hearts upon riches and the vain things of the world. They began to be scornful towards one another and they persecuted those that didn't belong or didn't believe the way they did. And they persecuted them according to their own will and pleasure. So contentions began to grow along with envyings and strife, malice and persecutions. Their pride grew so much that it exceeded the pride of those who didn't belong to the church. And this wickedness, it became a stumbling block for those seeking to be baptized into the church. And this wickedness began to be a great stumbling block to those who didn't belong to the church. Can you imagine trying to reconcile the humble stirrings of the spirit that would lead someone to baptism when you're observing prideful actions in the members of the church that you're about to get baptized into? Can you imagine trying to navigate that? And I'm not sure exactly what this looked like, but maybe maybe it looked like exclusion or self-righteousness or a superior mindset, believing God was more with them than those who didn't belong to the church. Maybe it was an assumption based on looks or economic levels. I don't know. What are your thoughts? Alma observed that. A great inequality was growing among the people. In fact, at the end of the ninth year of the reign of the judges, Alma will give up the judgment seat so that he can focus on the church. And the reason for this is because of the great pride among the people and because of the growing inequality that he witnessed. He witnessed the haves, despising the have-nots. He witnessed those with enough, turning their backs upon the needy and the naked and those who were hungry and those who were thirst and who were sick and afflicted. So there's the story of Alma 4 in a nutshell. So let's spend some time now examining ourselves. Doesn't that sound like fun? <laughs> so if you desire to know more about pride, I encourage you to refer back to the third episode of this podcast, Be Aware of Pride. Listen also to the talk given by President Ezra Taft Benson. Print it out. Study it. Make it one of your go-tos. When I did this, I, I studied it and I categorized everything that I learned into four C's. Contention, competition, conceit, and lack of confidence. And so condensing truly helped me to be able to substitute the word pride with these categories so that I can really think and feel what is Mormon trying to convey to me. And since then, with my study about fear and how it shows up in us, either our fear of failure or our fear of loss, it's my observation that pride is very much the outward expression that is masking a whole bunch of fear in all of us. For example, fear of failure, at our core, believing we aren't good enough, a belief that our worth is determined by our appearance or things or our status and the approval and the admiration of others. We therefore don't operate believing that our worth is fixed, that everyone is 100%. We don't see things that way. We believe that we can gain points or lose points based on those categories I mentioned. It's an underlying belief that there really are people out there that are better than others. That there's a ranking system. And notice, if you are someone who looks at others and ranks them, being more valuable or less valuable, more significant or less significant, more Notice how you start to struggle with believing that you're 100%. Notice how you struggle with fear of failure. That you're just not doing enough or doing it right. Or that you're not worthy of his love or his forgiveness or his cleansing. And what does this do? It causes us to get scrappy either with conceit Thinking we are better than people because of our appearance or our things or our status. Or because people admire us. Or how we need to be superior in all these things to support our belief of being better than others. And if we lose our grasp on this, then others will gain an advantage over us. That's fear of failure. Or we can get competitive trying to get more of the things in comparison to others or trying to be first, or trying to be best, trying to be seen more, or trying to be smarter. Whatever it is, competition is a sign of pride. Or we can get contentious, leading us to ultimately hate someone because of our false narrative about our own worth. Finding ways not to like someone or to be disagreeable with them, to not be united with them, or to misunderstand their perspectives or their level of contributions. Notice that anger you feel inside is really fear. When it comes down to it, it's fear. And all three of these, conceit, competition, contention, are all manifestations of something deeper. And that's a lack of self-confidence. Or again, not understanding that none of it The riches, the fine things, the beauty, the costly apparel, the approval of others, none of it changes our true worth, the way that God sees us. Not to mention fear of loss, the fear that all that you determine important might be taken away from you and your life then will lose purpose or you'll have less satisfaction with life. Or again, a fear that when measured against others, you won't cut it. You'll lose. Pride is fear. Pride is not faith. It is doubt that everything is going to work out for our good. It's doubt that God is good. It's doubt that God gives to you just as much as he gives to others. It's doubt that everything is 100% in his eyes. It's doubt that everyone is 100% in his eyes. And that your race is a race against sin and not each other. Ah, who said that, by the way? (laughs) I can't remember, but remember that. Who or what are you racing against? And if a face pops up for you in your mind, you got out of your lane. And you need to get back in it and race against sin. That is the real race. On a personal note... This is something I have to do on the regular to remember that I'm just doing Carrie. I'm just learning to be and become the future Carrie that I know is awesome. So I'm practicing being her right now. And how do I know she's awesome? And it's not because of the many things I've done or accomplished, but because God made me and all of his creations are awesome. He gets the credit. He's giving me the opportunities. And when I accept and practice this truth, the burden of pride and fear is lifted off of me. And I feel light and I feel hope. And I believe that's how he wants us to feel. I believe that's our natural state. But Satan, he is so tricky, isn't he? And he is good at what he does. And so sometimes he slips in and I need to remember, I'm not competing with all of the moms in the world. <laughs> I am not racing against all of the life coaches in the world. I'm not racing against all the podcasters in the world. And I have to redirect myself a lot on that one. You know, when I started this podcast, there weren't a lot that were on the Book of Mormon. and There were a couple that weren't even active podcasts anymore. And there have been a lot, especially since Come Follow Me last year, that have popped up that weren't there before, and they are successful, and they have lots of ratings. (laughs) But I'm not exactly like them, and I have to remind myself, and I am okay with that. My path is different because my intentions are different. This podcast was never intended to be solely a study group, but to help us together find nuggets of truth and principles, and then learn how we can apply them right that second in our lives. Making us stronger than we were before. Helping us feel our endowment of power. Helping us understand who God is and why we should trust him. The intention was always there to prepare my fellow sisters in the gospel, both spiritually but also mentally, to be able to be prepared to do their work in the world. And when I remember this, when I get out of fear out of competition and get out of pride, my power returns and I feel safe again. Everything is working out the way it should. And let me tell you, I'm going to promote myself a little bit here. If you struggle with these things, if you struggle with fear, life coaching is an excellent way to help you. It examines your thought processes and how you are subconsciously defaulting to those fears. And it helps you determine if you want to keep them or not. And if you don't, I'll show you how. I show you how to create something better for yourself. Because you know what? You're awesome too. You're 100% just like me. And we're in this together. So with that understanding about fear and pride... And you then coupling that with exceeding riches, abundance in the means that are essential for life, surrounding yourself with precious things, and then dressing in costly apparel. Can you see how man can start to build a false safety net for themselves? Giving rise to what? To inequality. Believing that they are superior because of their abundance or their station in life. And despising those without. Developing false beliefs that those who are without is because of something that they've done or they just aren't industrious enough or they're lazy or they're lacking in in intelligence or ability, discipline or worth or God is more favorable of me and less favorable of you. Can you see that? I admire Alma for not being okay with any of that. I admire how he honored the members who remained humble, who still succored those in need of succor, imparting of their substance to those who had less and who were in need, and who suffered the afflictions of others for Christ's sake because they believed in prophecy that told of his coming. So they looked forward to retaining a remission of their sins and had great joy because of the anticipated resurrection day of their dead. They kept their eyes set on Christ and they were diligent and I admired them. So here are some thoughts to consider. If riches and abundance have a tendency to lead the children and men towards the pride cycle, how can we avoid that route? And why would God prosper us in this way? especially when he knows that we can't handle it very well. And if he continues to bless us in this way, what does abundance have to do with God's purposes and with his work? And how can our abundance that we have been blessed with lead us to love God and others more fully instead of having enmity between us? Because love and unity is the opposite of pride, So may I suggest just a couple actions to not fall into that pride trap. And the first one is gratitude. Recognizing that God is good and he is the giver of all good gifts. And then giving thanks that he is an abundant God. Be grateful for what he has given you and don't take any credit for what you have. Second, pay your tithes to God. Give generous fast offerings, put aside a portion for emergencies that will arise and then find beauty in modesty, modest living, modest in dress, modest in speech, modest in temperament. And this isn't to convince you all to be wallflowers, but to be humble followers of God, ready to do his work and not placing your heart on riches. It's really, modesty really is just getting out of your own way to allow the Lord to work in your life, but use you as an instrument in his hands for the lives of his other children. Next, be looking for ways to impart of your substance, knowing that it is from an abundant God and remembering that part of your covenant is to take upon yourself the name of Christ. Therefore, using our resources in his name imparting of our substance to bless his children but to also give our time and our talents to build up the kingdom not to build up ourselves finally believing with your heart that we are all equal in the sight of god those with and those without those within the church and those without those with whom you agree with and those you don't Those you naturally, it's easy to gravitate to them. And with those, that it's harder. All deserve charity. Remembering that the church of God, when they were not respecters of persons, the scriptures say they did not send away any who were naked or that were hungry or that were a thirst or that were sick or that had not been nourished. And they did not set their hearts upon riches. Therefore, they were liberal to all, both bond and free, both male and female, whether out of the church or in the church, having no respect to persons as to those who stood in need. They did prosper. The goal isn't riches. The goal is to remember who the riches came from and what he would have you use those riches for you're interested in my coaching services and would like help with identifying your fears and how they are holding you back from what you are intended to become contact me at Carrie at sisterscriptorians.com or go to sisterscriptorians.com and sign up for a free mini session with me let's do something about this right now so that you can step back into your light